Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our third catch-up session, where we're going to be talking to Josie and her husband Josie about their little son Lincoln, who is about to be one year old. If you remember, we talked to Josie and Josie back in February about Lincoln because he was born at 25 weeks. After that, we're going to talk to friend of the show, Dr. Stephanie Rothenberg. She's a reproductive endocrinologist, and she's been on the show a number of times answering all of my dumb questions, but I've never asked her any questions about herself. Well, now she's going through IVF, so we're going to hear all about that. But first, I want to thank my latest Patreon subscribers. Oh, oh, I don't have any. Huh. That's weird. Oh, but I do have a couple of sweetie pies who've contributed to the podcast via Venmo over the past month. Jessica B, Karen H, Julie D, Linda S, Alyssa H, Darlene E, and Julia C. Thank you, ladies, so much. If you want to sign up for the Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast. If you want to Venmo the podcast, go to Venmo and send the money to molly-hockey. Now. When I left you last week, I was feeling pretty shitty. I had done a headshot session in the heat and I was panicking that I'd overexerted myself and hurt my little shrimp. I also had a headache and just felt exhausted all over and short of breath. So here I am the next day at my ultrasound. I told Dr. Chung about everything I'd been experiencing and my fears that I'd deprived my baby of oxygen or raised my body temperature. And here's what she said. You know what? There's very little that you can do to actually cause the baby to stop dying. Yeah. So because the baby will basically take all the nutrients it needs and all of the energy it needs to sustain itself, like which that. is why you're so exhausted. Like that. And so, you know, I'm I, I'm not concerned based on what you've told me. Okay. I'll take a look at the ultrasound. Yeah. And I'm hopeful it's gonna look good. Yeah. You're ten weeks in three days. Uh, four days today. Three. Okay, I just wrote it down. Three. That's okay. I don't remember if it's three or four, but anyway, it's ten plus weeks, so today um, will be your graduation as long as everything looks good. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead and put your feet up. We'll take a look. Okay. This part was actually pretty scary because when we got to the view of the uterus, all I could see was this round blob and a couple dots, and I thought something was absolutely wrong. See legs moving. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh god. Oh my god. I got so scared because it didn't look familiar. Oh, I just need to get a good view of it, but I see legs moving. Is that a butt we're seeing? Yeah, that was a butt. But hold on, I just need to get a
good feel. Okay, so, yeah. Take your. Oh, there we my go. Gosh. Oh, oh, there's a heart a beating baby. right in there. Oh my gosh, it's moving. So it's showing you. Look, Matt, sorry, I'm, I'm fine. I'm oh. sorry. No, it's okay. Oh. Cute little profile. Look at that. Oh yeah, my gosh. He's got my chin. Look at that. Totally. <laughs> Sorry, dude. This is a, this was a hard couple days. Yeah. Oh my god. He told, or she, whatever. Yes. It has a sharp hockey chin. Gosh, so cute. Okay, I'm done. Okay, good. Sorry, bad. No. Bad couple days. Oh, I'm sorry. It was so rough. I'm sorry for anybody that can hear me out there. Oh, oh my, my gosh. god. Oh no. Don't don't apologize. He that. probably thinks something is bad. No. Okay, baby looks great. It's nice and long. Doing <laughs> ten plus weeks. Very active little guy or girl. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So cute. Yes. That's really, really cute. Yes. So seriously, I mean, of course we I want you to take care of yourself, drink water, and don't exert yourself, but like I said, you know, the baby really, the babies, they take what they need, you know, so. Look at those arms I moving. Know, oh, my right? God. Oh, Jesus. Legs. Oh, my gosh. Is this line oh, down the middle this. of the skull safe? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there, there's, like, it's sitting cross-legged. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. And turning. Moving all around. The baby's showing off, saying, look, I'm fine. Oh. I'm good. Kicking? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, adorable. Sorry. Oh, look at the arms. The oh arms. my gosh. Hi there. Oh my gosh. Waving. <laughs> so cute. Oh. oh my god, is that the spine? Uh, yeah. I have that, spine if, if I see a line? A second. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, wild. That's the spine. Okay, the heartbeat is right, right in there. Okay, yes. Yeah. So what are you looking for today? I'm sorry, I should have asked you this. Yeah, I mean, ago. just looking to make sure the heartbeat's still there and the baby's growing. And this is basically just like the last ultrasound with me. Um, it really almost, almost out of the woods, you know, as far as miscarriage risk, because, you know, miscarriage is never going to happen. Highest risk is kind of eight weeks and, and earlier. Oh. Um, but once you're out of the first trimester, knock on wood, then it's, you know, Basically, risk of miscarriage is essentially zero. Right. So now it's more of a worry of genetic testing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I wouldn't say worry. Yeah, I just sure. need to confirm. Um, you know, because like you know, we've talked about in the past, most chromosomally abnormal pregnancies would miscarry before this point. Right. You know? And right. so the fact that this one's going strong. Yeah. Knock on wood. You know, I think that's very promising that the genetic testing is going to be reassuring but of course we want to do it and make sure and so it wow that was a lot of crying even for me now don't forget if you want to see this ultrasound it's up on the patreon and that baby is the cutest thing i've ever seen in my life so the doc and I went on to talk about NIPT and other tests, my medications, I've got to stay on the progesterone injections, the suppositories, and the estrogen and baby aspirin until I hit 13 weeks. Ugh, my butt is killing me, and I have these huge lumps on my butt. Luckily, nobody's looking at my butt, so that's fine. 
Then I said goodbye to Dr. Chung, we air hugged, and then I texted my mom because I knew she was waiting to hear the news, but I knew I had to go talk to the nurse for a while. Then as soon as I got to my car, I called my mom. Okay. Dad and I are in the car. Hi, guys. Oh, my goodness. Hi. Hi, guys. That was so scary, but everything is okay. That's all we want to know. I mean, that's not all we want to know. (laughs) Oh, my God, I lost it. I was crying so bad. (laughs) You think think you're going to keep doing that? No, it was just a really bad two days I just had. It was, I'm sorry, I know you're crying, but say that again. It was just a bad two days that I had. Oh, yes, I know. I know. know. But now tell us. Tell us about uh, the little shrimp. It's so cute. It's a little baby. It's a baby. And it's moving around so much, and it's so cute. It has feet and hands and arms and legs and big tummy and a big face. (laughs) Big head, not a face. But the profile of the chin looks like my chin. (laughs) Okay, so on Friday, I went to my OBGYN, and it was not fun. First, I had to do the glucose test, which I wasn't expecting, and you got to drink this super sugary orange drink. I didn't mind the drink itself, but I knew it would fuck with my stomach, and wouldn't you know, about 45 minutes later, and for the rest of the day... I had pretty awful heartburn. And what sucks about that is that it was my birthday. Yeah, 42 years old, everybody. I forgot to tell you because it's really not a big deal. So I had an upset stomach the whole day and it hasn't really let up yet. I just don't feel good. On top of that, my doctor did an ultrasound on the belly, which was like interesting, I guess, but it was so quick. And before I even knew what was happening, my doctor was doing the Doppler on my belly and listening to the heartbeat, which as you know, I've been avoiding for the last five weeks. Ugh. I must say, I've been really spoiled with my fertility doctors giving me such loving attention and being so patient with me over the years. At the end of this appointment, they drew about eight vials of blood for NIPT, the glucose test, and some California screening thing. I don't even know what's happening anymore, everybody. I'm I'm, kind of lost and I need to figure it all out. Next up is my nuchal translucency scan, and I'm still waiting for that to be scheduled, and then I have another ultrasound in five weeks, but... I'm hoping to move to New York around that time, and I hope when I move to New York I can find a doctor with a gentle nature who won't be dismissive of my questions and concerns. If you know of a great doctor in Westchester who you love, please message me. Also, it would be cool if they were comfortable with me recording every second of everything. Awesome. Cool. Okay, so now let's talk about what's going on with my baby and my body. I am now 11 weeks and 2 days pregnant. According to The Bump, the app on my phone, I need to get on Airbnb and TripAdvisor stat because right now is when I need to be planning my baby moon, a romantic getaway with my partner. Awesome. Baby is now as big as a lime. Your 11-week fetus is about 1.6 inches long and weighs in at about 0.25 ounces. They've got about a 1 to 1 head to body ratio. Baby's body is straightening out and the torso is lengthening. Hair follicles are forming and fingernails and toenail beds are beginning to develop. 
Those nails are forming on individual fingers and toes, having separated recently from the webbed hands and feet of just a few weeks ago. And though you can't tell baby's sex by looking yet, ovaries are developing if it's a girl. Your fetus has distinct human characteristics by now, with hands and feet in the front of the body, ears nearly in their final shape, open nasal passages on the tip of their nose, a tongue and palate in the mouth, and visible nipples. Okay, so what's going on with my hot body? Your 11-week pregnant belly is starting to develop full-on baby bump. It is? I don't think so. Okay, instead of just gas and bloating, but it can be hard to tell. Okay, while your belly may or may not be visibly changing, you may be surprised to see your breasts have noticeably changed. Blah, blah, blah. At 11 weeks, the chance of miscarriage might be on your mind. It's tough not to worry. Welcome to motherhood. But now that you've seen baby's heartbeat, your miscarriage risk has significantly dropped. And once you hit your second trimester, the risk will be less than 1%. Well, that's good to hear. Let's talk about some symptoms. 11-week symptoms. Your body and mind are still completely haywire. That's true. It's probably tough to feel calm right now since your hormones are still raging and you may still be feeling pretty nauseous. Fatigue, yep, still got it. Nausea, no, still don't have it, but I still have that heartburn and I don't know what to think about that. If it's gonna last this whole time or maybe it'll give me a break in the second trimester, I don't know. Gas, it says, sorry, but tummy troubles are par for the pregnancy course. Keep a close eye on your diet, if you're able to hold anything down, that is, and try to avoid foods that make you gassy, such as beans, cabbage, fried foods, and desserts. I eat a lot of beans. Leg cramps, tight, painful muscles, no. Plenty of water, blah, blah, blah. Skin darkening. One morning, you might wake up and think, whoa, what's that dark line down the center of my belly and why is it there? Well, this is a totally normal pregnancy system, sy symptom called the linea nigra. This dark line is caused by hormonal changes and isn't usually permanent, though you might notice that it sticks around for a while after you give birth, especially if you're breastfeeding. Well, I don't have that yet at all. <laughs> Vaginal discharge, okay, you're probably going to want to invest in some panty liners. That's about it for those show probes. I got tired again. Is it time for my nap yet? No, no, it's not time for a nap. It's not time for a nap. It's time for the show. Way back in February, we spoke with Josie and Josie and their itty-bitty baby Lincoln because Josie gave birth to Lincoln at 25 weeks, a whole three and a half months early, which made Lincoln a micro-preemie. They were finally able to bring him home from the hospital after four and a half months, but he still had some growing to do and he still had some complications. One of those was IVH, or intraventricular hemorrhage, which is bleeding inside or around the ventricles in the brain. He also had to be on oxygen 24-7. Well, that was six months ago, and now Lincoln is turning one year old this week. So we're going to check in and see how everyone is doing. Hi! Oh, <laughs> oh look at him! Say hi, Molly! <laughs> so you guys, how have you been? Tell me what's been happening. Oh, I can't look at this little guy. It has been a bit tumultuous. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But our our I guess first though, like our day to day is rather quaint and normal. Right, right. I think. But family life. Especially now that like as you can see, if he's not napping or sleeping over overnight, he's not wearing the oxygen. So awesome. you know that's been a big 
that's huge. Help we can walk into the kitchen <laughs> yeah. holding him, you know, and you can oh dance around without like worrying that you're gonna trip on the cord. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's been really great. But like the headliner is that in June we looked at an MRI and it was pretty immediately obvious. Even before we looked at the MRI, they measured his head circumference mm-hmm. and took one look at him and it we knew it was time for brain surgery. So can you back up um, yes. to the word that you used way back when? I can't remember what it was. Did it start with an H? Hydrocephalus. Yeah. Right. So that is... And is that what it ended up mm-hmm. being? Okay, yeah. so tell us what that is so again. He was born, he had a pretty significant bleed in his brain. Mm. And they can either resolve themselves or res- remain stable, or they can remain stable for a while and then get worse. And on one side, it resolved itself. The right side looks beautiful. Um, Okay. But the left side got a lot worse. So what happens is as the, your brain creates cerebral spinal fluid, normally you also sort of like drain that out of your brain. But with hydrocephalus, there's no way to drain that cerebral spinal fluid. So every day you're making more and it starts crowding out where the brain matter should be. Is that because something is compressed? So the brain matter becomes compressed. Because basically okay. all that fluid that's built up has forced, uh, has forced just a buildup because there's nowhere else for it to go. Mm-hmm. So just that little part of his head that there was a lot of swelling in, um, you know, he, he saw a bit of swelling just even on his, on his skull. Yeah, his yeah. skull starts to expand. If hydrocephalus goes like untreated, his head would get really big. Wow. Um, so if you Google, like if you Google hydrocephalus, you'll see babies okay. that really look. Yeah, you'll, you'll see, see the extreme okay. side and, and of you'll it, see, and you'll see adults too. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's not just something that affects babies, um, but oh, okay. you'll definitely those will be the first photos that you see probably if you were to Google hydrocephalus. Yeah, um, and luckily yeah. we were able to catch it before it, it got anywhere anywhere too bad. Yeah. So, okay, awesome. So then in, at that appointment, we scheduled surgery for, I think, 10 days later. 12. Right. Yeah. And we're like, well, all right, it's it's a go time. Oh, and then we had to like get that. through those days, which were so, so stressful. So- well, what was going through your mind at the time? A little bit. I mean, you don't have to go crazy. but I think, I mean... It was just this push between, like, the fear of sending your child to surgery, especially to brain surgery, mixed with relief that we knew this is happening and that we have a great medical team. We're going somewhere Mm -hmm. where it's routine. You know, there are large swaths of, you know, geography where they don't have a neurosurgeon who does this regularly. Whereas we have somebody who's like, oh, yeah, so I usually do these on, like, Tuesdays and Thursdays. You know, like, how regular it is for them. And the anxieties of knowing that he needs it (laughs) and knowing that it's like, okay, well, it's nine days away. And it wasn't like you had a choice, right? You didn't have to, like, weigh this and that. It was always like, this is what we need to do. This It was... It it was, I mean, there's there's a choice, but, you know, as the wonderful doctors there said, if it was for my kid... I would yeah. get the shunt. I would have the shunt surgery. Yeah. So what it is is the okay. shunt, and you can actually see it on the back of his head here. Oh, it looks a light. His skin looks lighter there. It's because it's sort of raised up. It's as if like um, it's as if this like little piece of plastic is just like under his skin there and outside of his skull. 
It goes in to the brain, and then it has a drainage cord that drains all the way down into his belly. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this little tube. So the cerebral spinal fluid goes into his gut. Yeah, because the space... But that's not what happens naturally, right? No. No. But the space space between your organs is just kind of like, your body will just be like, oh, there's fluid here. Uh, it's just oh. oh, so it's in the abdominal cavity, not in the stomach. Correct. I don't know why I, yeah. I was yeah. okay. That makes sense. So it goes right in, right into the <laughs> middle of everything, and the body's just like, "Cool, we'll take it. Great, thanks." Oh my yeah, gosh! Look at him. he's so cute. Oh, just resting on mama. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, all right, all right. So I'm, so I'm getting it. Cool. Okay. And then it was exactly two weeks later that we got to have a follow up appointment. Got another MRI um, that looked great. It was two weeks, right? Four weeks. Two the weeks. ER visit. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my God. See, all these things happen. Okay. And it's, uh, okay. So well, before that, before that, tell me about surgery day. How long was this surgery? And oof. Surgery was, what, two-ish hours Two long? and a half. And it was, it's one parent at a time because of COVID, which I totally get, but oh god, very hard oh for us. Can you could go outside though and see each other? Yeah, so yeah. like one of us could wait in the um, cafe, you know. Yeah. Okay. So Josie took him in and was there with him for all the pre-op stuff and trying he to. He was keep him such a trooper too, because that's the sad thing you is they're like, before. like yeah, you can have water or Pedialyte uh, up until two hours, four hours before the surgery, and so then you're just like kind of playing games with him hoping that he's going to be able to last and then of course yeah they're always running a little behind right yeah because it's oh, running no. like an hour hour and a half behind as normal and he's just he you can tell he's very hungry but that he knows he's not going to have a bottle somehow <laughs> he's just like all right man let's get through this together um oh, did, my goodness. he did so well and um and so they put him Totally under, obviously. Yeah. Under, yep. Mm-hmm. Cut a little bit and in his j- belly, and then the. They basically do the cut on the belly so that they can check the tubing. Make sure it's in the to right make place. Make sure the tubing's in the right place and that the liquid's going into the. Into the oh belly. my goodness. And they have to, like, really coil up a ton of the cord in there because he's not very tall right now. So he's going to grow. Wow. So, he, so how long will this be in him for a long forever. time or forever? So theoretically. His body's always going to make this ex, this fluid and it doesn't have its own way to drain. Yep. Yeah. And it will, so it will keep the, basically, um, they, this is a non-programmable shunt. So it's set at a certain pressure. So it's like, okay, let's keep this pressure. And if it's not, if this pressure is not maintained, let's take the fluid out then. So it's constantly maintaining it. And reading it in that way. It's a pretty smart device. They've been doing this type of surgery for 70 years, they said. So now we're actually reaching the um, first generation of seniors who have Oh, my goodness. um, Right now, currently. Um, Oh, my goodness. and, And so theoretically, he has enough tubing inside of him for an adult human. And it's all just coiled up altogether. But it will just uncoil as he grows. Science is amazing. So, well, how wide wide is this tube? I mean, I can. It's, it's tiny. I mean, you can tiny. you can feel it honestly because, and he'll <laughs> once he grows bigger, you won't be able to feel it so much. But it's just, uh-huh. it it runs from the back and then 
down his neck this way and on the front. So when you're like tickling his little tummy, you can feel it because it's just like <laughs> under right his there. skin, just right there going oh into the whole place. So, you know, <laughs> we try to be gentle, but he has no stipulations or um, limitations. limitations. Aside from he cannot be an astronaut. Oh, that is not fair. It's not fair, right? Not Especially fair. because it's like... That is bullshit. It's yeah. like, you know, everybody's dream and it's like... The first page in all these books where it's like, just don't introduce him to that. Right, right. Don't even tell him about outer space. Who needs it? Make him a flat earther. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There it is. So there was an ER visit. Yeah, so then a week later on Father's Day. Four days later. Oh, yeah. On Father's Day. What happened is we just started noticing like a bunch of swelling around the shunt. Okay. And it was concerning to us and we have this hot we have a hotline we have like a line to call at children's hospital la they'll put you in touch with the neurosurgeon on call and so we called and called a couple times and it was like you know you call and then you like while you're on the phone and while you're on hold you're like maybe it's not that bad and you hang up and Uh. then you know because (laughs) you're like well he's fine because they tell you to look out for this and this and this and this and we don't see that but also this looks strange, but it's our first time having a baby, and it's our first time having a baby with a shunt, so we just don't know exactly what to look for. So you call back. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually, they were kind of like, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want. If you're concerned about it, there bring no, him in. The so, number one thing was there's no fluid coming out of it. Okay. Gra- but how do you know if there's – oh, no fluid coming out of the incision. The incision, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we brought him down, long story short – they gave him a CT scan, a couple x-rays, and everything is completely fine. Okay. And was it, again, was that one at a time for you guys? Yeah. Oh so God. I took that I took that first ER visit yeah. overnight. Happy Father's Day to me. <laughs> I got to sleep in the car out on the street oh, no. on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> then things have been fairly calm. Wait, when, wasn't there something else that you mentioned T- two weeks yeah, later? What? Oh, so two weeks later after the surgery is when we had already had the schedule for the follow-up. Oh. Follow-up MRI, which looked terrific. Oh, good. Already saw that um, there was a small reduction in the amount of fluid in the cavity there. Okay. So basically the doctor was like, you know, this is exactly what I'm looking for when I see this follow-up after doing the surgery. Oh. This is the kind of progress I'm looking for. Okay. So this is great. Mm-hmm. And essentially, a shunt can't undo the brain damage he already has. Okay. But it can help create some more room for development. Yeah. And I feel that we, they didn't promise us that, but I feel that we have seen some strides oh. since he got. Yeah. He still has, you know, still has delays, you know. He's, yeah, but wouldn't you expect him to have major delays after being f- yeah. four months premature? Four or five? Three and a three and a half. half. Okay, eight. <laughs> yeah, nine months early. So. <laughs> <laughs> three and a half. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah five months so, early would not not be good. <laughs> yeah, but even even with his adjusted age, okay, he has some significant delays. Okay, yeah. motor delays mostly. But since the shunt, I mean, we've seen things like just his neck control mm. was sort of kind of quickly get better, uh, I noticed. Um, 
being able to hold his head up a little stronger. His vision. Have, have a little more confidence, kind of notice us, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's something. Um, yeah, so, and then some really great stuff, even over the last couple of weeks with, um, with food and eating. Yeah, um, with like being able to see food on his tray, grab it, and get it to his mouth. Um, yeah. That's pretty huge. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah, wonderful. yeah. And so how long has it been? Almost two months? Almost two months, yeah. Since? Since the surgery. June, Over June 4th. June, June 16th. Six. June 16th. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. Two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's been almost two and a half months. Yeah, okay. and the other, so the other thing that happened is he had his, what we, what we all, medical team and us, presume to be his first seizure. Oh, shit. I forgot you mentioned something about that in a, in a, in a text or email. Yeah, so um, that was, what, 10 days ago? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, boy. We just saw... Was his head just like turning to the right repeatedly? Once he got a bottle, he was like, "Okay, great, I'm fine now," and was completely. He has been since then, hundred percent. Okay, yeah. but we took him to the ER. Yeah, yeah. So, because our thought was the shunt, you know, they did an MRI and the bleeding had decreased even since our last follow-up Amazing. appointment. Great. So that's like, great because we got to see that. Good. Yep. Right cool. kind of there. So yeah, now we have follow-ups with neurology as well. So that that's our fifth specialist with CHLA that we see. Oh, so why were the seizure, seizures, uh, why did they think that might occur to begin with? He's high risk because of the IVH. Which is the brain bleeding. Okay. Um, so like IVH, it ca- could cause seizures and cause the hydrocephalus. Okay. So it's like the hydrocephalus and the seizures are not linked, but they probably both uh, have the same cause. Gotcha. So because of because of his history, he's high risk to have more seizures. I see. I but see. But that's why we put him on the anti-seizure medicine, and then we just keep keep going. And they think that'll. Do they have a prediction about that, or not? Not from the hospital stay, and I think we haven't had our first outpatient visit with them and i think we'll kind of know more after they're going to do another eeg Mm -hmm. Um, he hasn't had an eeg since he was in the NICU, Mm -hmm. which is one of those funny things that like comes out of your mouth about a baby that like Mm. 99.9 of parents are probably never going to say oh yeah he hasn't had an eeg in so long (laughs) gosh it's been six and a half months since his last eeg most people probably never have an eeg in their life oh my gosh um, yeah, they're going to give him another EG, and, and then we'll hopefully know more from there. Yeah. But. And when do you think that will be? It's in September. What about the oxygen? How would, Is that a, some, a forever thing, too? So we'll, we have a uh, sleep study next month ah. as well. And then they'll take a look. They'll sort of monitor him overnight to see how he does. And then they'll give us the results. Either he needs to continue on oxygen while he sleeps, or um, we'll graduate. Oh my gosh. Okay, she's got her fingers crossed. Okay, me too, me too, me too. So we'll see. Okay. I mean, in the day-to-day, he has, each week he has two physical therapy sessions, one occupational therapy session. Where do these happen? The physical therapy sessions happen here in home. Our physical therapist comes in and she's like full coveralls, plastic shoe coverings, clear mask. Oh my gosh. Um, He comes twice a week. We wear masks. 
and then the occupational therapist is virtual, so we do that via webcam. And then there's an infant stimulation specialist, which is sort of like overall, you know, kind of looking at his behavior, you know, more from a broader standpoint. Mm -hmm. And we have once a week a phone call with her, and then once a week a session virtually with her, wow. where she works with so it's basically five of those like standing appointments each week plus yeah. the specialist. Who pays for all this stuff? So actually, those five services we named are paid for by the state okay, of California. Good. So yeah, but then on the medical side, that's under my private insurance. Oh, all of, all of the whoa, all of the specialists and stuff like that. And oh we my are god, extremely lucky that I happen to have a day job with a great medical plan. Oh my! Because god. yeah, it's in the. It's in the $4 million range of what oh my God. has been billed to the insurance What has been billed, yeah. Insurance company has probably paid. Signup has probably only paid like $2 million or something. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere, somewhere between 900000 and $2 million. But the sticker price yes. What an is, absurd world we live in. I know. And I think about that so often because like for us, it's like, oh, you know, he's having a seizure. We're going to pack him up and take him to the hospital. And we don't have to stop and think. Right. But I, for a lot of families, that is, you know, a moment to stop and think and go, oh, gosh. And this is just another, you know, copay and another, no insurance. And so we're really lucky. But yeah. Do you try not to predict what the future holds and just take it day by day? Or I try. I work on this in therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah, but absolutely. And in the NICU, it was easier to sort of like take things day by day. Mm. And I really found my groove with that. And I think it's kind of harder on this other side of the NICU where you are you are just sort of facing a, a longer road. Yeah, like a, li a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you want to know what it's going to look like a little bit. Right. Uh-huh, mm -hmm. yeah. And right. there are some things like, I, and I just have days where I'm like really down in the dumps about things. Yeah. And then other days where I'm like, oh my gosh, he's looking down at his tray, identifying something and grabbing it. Like, he doesn't need to learn anything else. Uh, yeah. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> what, that's pinnacle of human, what we need to do. Yeah. So it's, it's just a roller coaster. Yeah. Having a, a baby like this also just makes me even more, like, just appreciative of what a lucky thing it is to have a baby. Mm -hmm. Which I know you are <laughs> appreciative of that mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, but it is it is such a it's so difficult what you guys are going through despite your wonderful attitudes <laughs> and your laughs and your smiles. But I'm so glad that you have each other and and this sweet little guy. Yeah. Yeah. But he's such a good baby and yeah. I don't want you guys to have any more scares. It's too much. I know. You know, we probably will. Yep. And that's what I've sort of settled into. We will have more scared. We will have more questions. We will be calling those doctors at all hours of the night mm -hmm. for, for a while, for a long <laughs> while probably. Mm -hmm. When I think about it in the abstract, when I think about being a parent to a medically fragile baby, when I think about it in those exact terms, mm -hmm. I feel really, really overwhelmed about that. I have trouble processing that. But when I think about being... Lincoln's mom mm. that is seems more manageable yeah that's like 
okay, but yeah, but it's Lincoln, yeah. you know, like, yeah, okay. And sometimes we take him to the ER. <laughs> he doesn't seem to mind. Right. I'm sure that might be harder with an older baby, but he's like, oh, I can sleep anywhere, you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll figure it out. We have figured out lots of things and we will figure out the next we thing sure too. have. And we have such a great medical team that like, I'm just, I'm always so grateful to all of them. I love that. That's so great. Well, thank you guys so much for filling me in and filling all of the listeners in. I wish they could all see him. He's just so adorable. Oh, he really is. Yeah. Well, thanks again, you guys. I'll talk to you soon and have a great night. Bye, Molly. Bye. See you. Well, I'm so lucky because I get to see Lincoln this week. We're going to take some family photos, and I just can't wait to see them in person. Now, folks, we are going to talk to Dr. Stephanie Rothenberg. She's a reproductive endocrinologist, and she's been on the podcast multiple times. I've asked her a billion questions about myself, my own body, but I've never asked her anything about herself. Well, now she is going through IVF, and we're going to get the chance to see what it's like to be a doctor, a fertility doctor, going through IVF. Hi. So you're in the middle of your cycle. Yeah, I'm day eight and let I need I've been apologizing to all of my patients because I'm like, dude, this is kicking my butt. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do not feel good. I, I called my mom today and I was like, mom, I need you to come take care of me and baby me. <laughs> oh my God. So what do you feel like? What do you feel like? What's happening? Well, so of course. Okay, because... well, wait, wait. Before you tell me how you feel, tell me why you're yeah. doing this. Unexplained infertility, man. You're young. So, yeah, I'm almost 35. Mm-hmm. I'll be 35 next month. And my hubby and I, we weren't totally sure that we wanted to have kids. Ah. And, you know, we both did 11 years of training, and it was rigorous. We got ah. married third-year medical school, and we stayed married, which is, like, our <laughs> ultimate, like, Yeah. Did you win. meet in medical school? Yeah, we oh, met in okay. medical school. Wow. Yeah, we met in medical school. And we, like, finished training, and we're like, okay, like, we've been, you know, working really hard on our marriage and on ourselves and, you know, just doing our therapy thing for everybody. And you just, like, you got a really... house, you moved, you settled down. Yeah, in a, like... totally. Like, we had, like, stable jobs, and we weren't, like, working 80 hours a week. Yes. And, like, yeah, we're buying a house, and we're like, well, I mean, might as well. But here's the thing, too. We increased the timeline um, because... I was like, I'm going to check my AMH. Right. Which leads me to a good morning. Did you check so, it before you started trying? Yes. Oh. And I was still on my pill. Oh, okay. okay. So the birth control pill can like falsely lower your AMH. Interesting. Okay, Because the ovaries are super quiet. And okay. AMH is made by cells that live around and take care of eggs. So mm-hmm. if your ovaries are really quiet, then you don't, you're not having as much of that hormone floating around. And so I had checked it in fellowship and it was like a respectable 2.2. Okay. And so I was like, perfect. You know, I expected it to be like one and a half and I checked it and it was 0.3 and I almost died. And I'm like, okay, I did this to myself. I'm okay. freaking out. Okay. We want the AMH to be greater than one to predict like a good response to IVF. And I was like, oh my God. Yes. So my husband was actually very not happy with me because I didn't talk to him about the fact that I was checking it. And, he's, uh-huh. and now I'm like, we got to set the pill. We got to try to get pregnant right now. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, what, Wait, are we talking what kind about of, this? is he a specialist too? 
He's an orthopedic surgeon. Okay, so so fertility is not his field. Okay, no, okay. not in the slightest. <laughs> okay, good. But he he knew like he you know he he's a sponge. Yes, I talk about fertility a lot. We he, have like yes, of course, penis anatomy in our powder room. Like that's <laughs> just how we roll, right? So. Yeah, I checked it and I like freaked out a little bit, which is totally my fault because mm -hmm. I checked it knowing that it was going to be suppressed and right. that it does not predict your ability to get pregnant. It right. just predicts your success with IVF, right? Okay. So I went off my pill and my AMH, like two months after going off my pill was still like 0.7 and three months it was 0.9 and my FSH was high and I'm like, ugh. So like DOR land, diminished ovarian reserve. Where... So you would, by that amount of time, you might expect it to have gone back to its n normal, yes. neutral, yes. whatever it, so baseline? Absolutely. That okay. Like within a couple of months, it should be going back up. And so okay. I have long arms. I was doing ultrasounds on myself. Stop <laughs> so, it. Is that a thing? Yeah. Do you all yeah, do that? I mean, I don't know. Maybe oh my I'm just God. like a big weirdo. <laughs> no, you just know how to use a, a vibrator and a dildo. <laughs> Molly. I can't believe you can do that to yourself. I'm sorry. That's just I, I wild. Can. Any, I mean, you just put a probe in there and move it yeah, around. Yeah, I guess. And you know I where you're like looking. I do like 50 of them a day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's a little backwards, but um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So my antral follicle count looked like not super great. So it was like 10 or 11. It was not really very good. And so when you say 10 or 11, that's like a, a, some on one side and some on the other. That's not one side. Yeah. No, that's okay. total. Okay. So I'm like remembering back like your antral follicle count was like 15, 20 when you were doing your cycles, right? Wasn't um, it really good? No, it was like maybe, yes, it was good at seven or eight, seven or eight on each yeah. side. Yeah, so yours is like, I but mean, not never, never higher than fifty percent higher than mine, and you know, I'm fifty percent older than you. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Stop. So I'm obviously like really worried about like, okay, like I'm almost 35. My windows, you know, for IVF, like I'm not gonna be a great candidate. And so my husband did a semen analysis and it was fine. And I did an HSG when we were in our fifth month of trying and uh -huh. it was normal. Okay. And so everything was good other than, other than my ovarian reserve. And also my lining was kind of thin, which was not. Oh, right. You mentioned weird. that to me. Yeah, it was, it was thin. So I was just like, huh, what is going on? And so I was like, let's give it six months. Right. And then let's think about IVF. Um, I'm sorry, but because... were you able to see your lining with your own by yourself? Of course. <laughs> I'm not going to stop talking about this. Of course. It's so cool. And so then I started to get stressed and I'm like, okay, like I need to like see one of my partners and let them just like give me advice. Yeah. I'm just like micromanaging myself and it's hard for me to think like a doctor when I'm right. feeling like a patient, mm -hmm. right? Um, And so went and saw my partner and we like talked about you know with my husband and did like a new patient visit and did all the things and 
just made the plan of like, okay, if we haven't gotten pregnant within six months, like I don't really want to try IUIs. Mm-hmm. I would rather like have embryos for the future too, if we want to have more than one kid, uh-huh. right? And if my ovarian reserve is not great now, it's not going to be great in two years, you know, or three years when I'm thinking about, you know, if we want to have the option to have another baby. Yeah. So, so we just decided to go ahead with IVF. And um, can I ask you a quick question? Please. With diminished ovarian reserve, you're still ovulating every month. Mm-hmm. So why is it like less likely to get pregnant? So it's not less likely to get pregnant. It's less likely to be successful with IVF. Okay, so okay. what happens at the beginning of the month is your ovary has like a pool of eggs that are in the ovary. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my dog is squeaking a toy uh, That's in the okay. Oh, I thought it was a bird. <laughs> no, it's my it's dog. It's okay. It sounds like parrots. <laughs> it's my puppy. She's entertaining herself. Um, so your, your ovary has a pool of eggs. Um, and at the beginning of the month, FSH comes down and says, hey, it's the beginning of the month. I need somebody to volunteer to ovulate. Mm-hmm. Right. And so these eggs hear that message and they actually compete against each other and only one wins and the rest of them die away. So do you believe that the best one actually is the one that ovulates? No. Okay. No. <laughs> is that the, the argument so, for, for natural IVF though? Yeah. I don't necessarily. That's controversial. Yeah. 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 So what we do in IVF is we just give a bunch of FSH to try and stop that competition. Right. right. So if you're trying to get pregnant on your own, it doesn't matter if your pool is three or if it's 20, right? And you're going to ovulate and you get pregnant. Right. But it matters when we're doing IVF and we're trying to stimulate as many eggs as possible, right? That's when the size of the pool matters. So that's the only time an ovarian reserve matters. Right. Which is why it was like dumb of me to like check my AMH. Certainly, I was going to do something about it if it was low. But there's no reason to check it unless you're planning to do IVF. Okay. So. Yeah. So my pool is smaller, right? And so for IVF, I'm not as good of a candidate. Because maybe I'll get like five to ten eggs instead of like ten or fifteen or twenty. You think. You would think. (laughs) So here is the messed up thing. And of course, this happened to me, right? Because I'm a fertility doctor. So of course, like weird things are going to happen. So. I go in for my baseline ultrasound to start and my partner scans me and she's like, dude, you have so many follicles. And I'm looking at that. I'm watching her scan. I was like, those are not my ovaries. Like those are like imposter What day was this? Day what of your... So we were doing a luteal start, meaning that we weren't using birth control pills and just starting in between ovulation and before I start my period. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because that competition between the eggs starts to happen about three days before you have your period. So okay. usually we get birth control pills to try so that the competition doesn't start. But the other option is to just start before that competition even happens. So we use that for some of our patients who have diminished ovarian reserve. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's looking at it and I'm looking at these and I'm like, these, like, my, I've been scanning myself. Like, this is not what my ovaries look Wait, like. Wait, hold on. Is this the first time somebody else has scanned you? Yes. Is it possible you were just not doing it well? I mean, it's possible <laughs> that I was just like totally screwing it up. I think that that's not true. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and because, I mean, so she was just crazy. Let's recheck your AMH. And we run our AMHs on Sundays. And uh-huh. so we started my medications and my AMH came back and I am, I shit you not, Pardon my language. I don't have my doctor hat on right now. It's it's three point nine. Before you started any meds? Yeah. I mean not that that would change anything, but 
Yeah. And so I'm is on this too totally high? wrong dose of medications. It's No, it's beautiful. Oh, it's okay. Like friggin' perfect. But isn't there a number when Which, it's too high, like five or something? Yeah, then we start to think about like PCOS. Okay. Okay. So 3.9. Yeah, what the? That's crazy. Never seen it before, right? My partners have not seen it before. Like we've seen it a couple times, but here's my best case. Here's my guess, right? Of course, I don't have an answer for this. So something totally freaky happens. And then, so I'm on the total, like way too high of a dose. And I'm like posting about it on Instagram, right? right? Like I'm doing this cycle, you know, like. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, oh, great. Like, now I'm going to, it's totally going the opposite way. I mean, in a really good way. Like, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Like, having lots of eggs. But, I mean, I started a supplement called CoQ10 in uh-huh. the meantime, which has been shown to be beneficial for egg, like, quality and quantity. But not that beneficial. It's not like this magic medicine that makes your AMH go up. Right. And that's it. That's all you change. And so... The only other thing is that maybe I'm part of this like small group of people whose ovaries get like prolonged, suppressed from From being on birth control pills for a long time. And this is completely like not, do not construe as medical advice, right? This is just like conjecture and like, I have no idea. So I was worried that the problem was going to be that we weren't going to get enough eggs and have to do several cycles. And then now I'm worried about having hyperstimulation, which is like, totally the opposite of like what I was personally prepared for right and so how far into your cycle are you day eight and tell us how many follicles you're seeing there oh my god (laughs) um yeah I'm having another ultrasound tomorrow yesterday I had like 30 that were growing and are they growing at a good rate like yeah you know with each other yeah I'm Dude, this is amazing. I mean, it's it's, my dose. I know it's it's amazing, and it's there's a scary aspect too. So now, so now I'm worried about ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. So can you talk to us about that and what you do for somebody that's got OHSS? Yeah, yeah. So um, when we stimulate ovaries, there's kind of the sweet spot where we want to push the ovaries hard enough to get as many eggs as we can, Mm -hmm. but we don't want to push them too hard where we can make people sick with OHSS, right? Uh And what happens with OHSS is the ovaries release a different hormone called VEGF. What? Which causes VEGF. I never. V E G F. <laughs> it's like vascular endothelial growth factor. Okay. I like <laughs> hearing new words. Cut away. No, I don't need to cut away because you did it. That's all I need to know. Um, so it releases VEGF and it causes fluid shifts in the body. And it's, it's released from the ovaries for like a week or 10 days. And it's self-limited. It's, you know, resolves on its own. But during that time, you can have fluid shifts where you have fluid that goes from your vessels uh, like into other places, like your belly. So okay. you get kind of like dehydrated in your vessels, but you can get ascites, which is fluid in the belly. Okay. It can be really uncomfortable. And yeah. so it happens in about 10% of people who do IVF in like Whoa. a mild way where you like have some nausea, you're more bloated, we're monitoring your urine output, keeping an eye on you. And then about 1% of patients have a more severe case where maybe we need to keep give you IV fluids to keep you hydrated or sometimes drain fluid from your belly to make you more comfortable. We have different ways of reducing that risk, either by decreasing doses or starting out with a conservative dose. Now this a trigger is with OHSS lupin. or this is... Yes. Oh, okay. That's OHSS, yeah. I just thought it was too many follicles growing that 
your ovaries could be so big they'd explode. <laughs> no, they don't explode. They don't explode. But I mean, also like a big ovary is uncomfortable. 10% of people get some, maybe a little bit of OHSS. I mean, yeah, and just a mild IVF. form, like people who are more uncomfortable, more crampy, um, nausea, okay. a little dehydrated. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if somebody is experiencing OHSS, you don't stop the cycle or anything like that. You can't, right? I mean, in rare cases, we can cancel, right? Like maybe we have something where, you know, somebody comes in on day five or day six and we're like, whoa, your estrogen's super high. This is not the right, right dose for you. Let's cancel and then start again with a different dose. So you don't need to um, remove those follicles or those eggs? Not if they're small. Okay. Yeah. I mean, even later on, like, for example, we had somebody who was diagnosed with COVID <gasps> on like day nine of their stem. Oh, my God. Cancel, oh which my was God. just like the worst. Oh, my God. You're, you'll ovulate them and your body reabsorbs them. All of them. Yeah, it's like a waste. It's the worst. <laughs> but you waste that many every month anyway, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somebody was listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you don't have to feel too sad about it. I mean, except for, you know, the whole, oh, my God, that's awful with the COVID. Yeah. Ugh. So anyway, so for OHSS, I'm just like hydrating like crazy okay. um, and increasing the protein in my diet, which maybe can help fluid stay in the vessels better. Okay. I'm going to do what's called a Lupron trigger. So instead of triggering with HCG, um, it's to trigger with Lupron instead. Why is that? Um, so Lupron causes your brain to release its own LH. So uh -huh. it's like the LH surge that we do. Instead, whereas um, HCG is we're giving it to you. LH? Oh, yeah. Man. So, yeah. So, basically, HCG and LH are seen. They use the same receptor in the body. Mm -hmm. So, HCG is the pregnancy hormone, right? So, they use the same receptor. So, it's, it's cheaper to give HCG and easier mm -hmm. instead of LH because <sighs> it has a longer half-life. But the problem with HCG is because it has a longer half-life, it can increase the stimulation of the ovaries during that time. Yeah. And so then you get more stimulation of the ovaries. And so for somebody who's at risk for OHSS, we want them to use their own LH. Okay. With a Lupron trigger. Cool. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Why is mini IVF often used for people with diminished ovarian reserve? Really good question. So I will do mini IVF for people with diminished ovarian reserve because after they've, it's different for everybody, but if we go back to that pool, right? So if your pool of eggs that you're starting with every month is three, and I give you the biggest dose of FSH that I can give you, we're just going to get three, right? Best case scenario, because I that's see. just what available is that month. Right. So if I give you like a medication like Clomid, so a pill that's like very cheap, and then a small dose of FSH and get those three follicles to grow uh -huh. with like thousands of dollars of less medication, mm -hmm. Why give a big whopping dose? Can you see? Um, there's there's follicles that you can't see at uh, yet, right? What I can't remember the name. So of so, so how are you feeling physically? Do you um, feel like the OHSS is is going to be a thing that you're going to have that? I'm a little nervous about it. So here's the thing. So I started my meds last week, and I worked this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And you know, on Friday night, I was like you know, like feeling great on like day two and like I wasn't really hydrating and like all these things. I'm like, perfect. And I woke up on Saturday morning to go to work and I was like, 
oh, I don't really feel that great. And then like drank my two cups of coffee. And then I was like, oh my God, I feel terrible. And I was like, oh, this is why we tell people to cut back on their caffeine during IVF <laughs> and to hydrate. I'm being the worst patient ever, which is like total, that's like doctors are the worst patients Yes, ever. yes. No question. So I'm like, I have this headache. <laughs> I'm working. It was a busy day at work. And so I started hydrating better. And so I felt better on Sunday. Okay. Again, a very busy day at work. And I've actually felt better every single day. Okay. I kind of was just like, la, 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 la. Like, I have patients do this all the time. Yeah. And then I like, totally shot myself in the foot. Yeah. So I felt better and better. And now I'm feeling like I expected to feel right. like full. I feel my ovaries like clonking around. around. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And then today I'm having just like a little bit of nausea. Okay. But I'm doing okay. So I'm just uncomfortable. I'm very full. I'm in my stretchy pants. Oh, that's nice. That's <laughs> nice. I wasn't wearing pants for most of the day. Actually, when you texted nice. me, I was like, give me 10 minutes before we talk. Give me a 10 minutes heads up because I needed to go put, put pants, pants on. on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. My acupuncturist told me to eat two tablespoons of beans every two hours for nausea. Oh, just like little bits of protein, probably. Yeah, yeah. Is that helping? Well, I haven't had, I haven't been nauseous. Oh yeah, you haven't been nauseous. Maybe that's why. Because you're crushing it. Because you're crushing it. No, <laughs> stop it. You have not been eating two tablespoons of beans every two. Hours. I wake up every two hours <laughs> for my beans. Oh, no, gosh. I haven't. But I have been having about a can of beans a day. I like them. Nice. Um, nice. <laughs> okay, so. So you lowered your, okay, so you have an ultrasound yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, so we decreased my dose because we were like, oh my goodness. You started you know, at a whopping estrogen. 450. What are you at now? 300. Okay, that still sounds yeah. big. Yeah, well, because you don't want to like have the follicles have like a withdrawal, right. right? Yeah. So we just drop it like little bits at a time. Yeah. Yeah, So, but they're growing pretty fast. And so I think I'll probably be like a day nine or day 10 trigger, probably day 10. Okay, um, I don't remember when people usually do that. It's somewhere between 9 and 14 days. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Our average day of trigger is like day 11. Okay. Um, but... Well, this is exciting. I mean, I hope I yeah. hope that you don't get into scary territory and have yeah, to... Yeah, me too. I <sighs> will tell you this. I've been feeling really guilty about having this like unexpectedly lovely response. Well, I was going to ask you how it feels yeah. um, being public about stuff, but tell me about, yeah, yeah. this, what you're experiencing like that. I think it's, I mean, I think it's hard because it's, you know, it would have been different if I was like expecting to go in and like, okay, like have a good response and whatever, but I was expecting to not do well. And then I'm feeling guilty about having this like unexpectedly lovely response, which right. is just like not what happens. Right. And so it's- And you have all these patients on following yeah. you on Instagram. I know. And I you're know. And like, you know, worried that you're going to make them feel something. Yeah, it's been a weird, it's it's a weird experience because I really thought long and hard about sharing it. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I sent you the video of my HSG, right? <laughs> but I like haven't posted it. I've been like kind of documenting it, but then I just like wasn't sure that I wanted to share it, especially real time. Like we talked about that, about right, like right, how right. hard it is to share it real time. Yeah. But I ultimately, I just like, I wanted that support of like, yeah. you know, all of the docs that, you know, the IVF community that's on Instagram and also share like, 
I mean, I think that this is a good thing to share of like that IVF is truly for every single person. It's a science experiment. Yes. And I tell my patients yes. this, that like until you do your first cycle, like I don't know how it's going to go for you. It can yeah. go really like better than we expect. It can go worse than we expect. This is a really humbling job. I told a couple today, I said, I went into the specialty because I love controlling things and I'm a total <laughs> control freak, right? Like yeah. I'm going to shut your whole like pituitary axis down and then I'm going to give you the hormones that you oh, need. Yes. But it's so humbling because it, I can't control anything. Like I literally, like there, I, however many eggs you have that month, that's how many we can get out. How yeah. many sperm you have, that's how many we have. Like, yeah. you know, there's different things that we can do to manipulate it, but this is ultimately a really humbling job and we can't control as many things as we think we yeah, can. Yeah. And everybody's just so different. And even you're different than you were a month ago. Totally. Totally. Like when you have like a bunch of like, I mean, I have four partners, right? With like, between all of us, we have like a hundred years of experience, yeah. right? And everybody's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. That's weird. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's a humbling, it's a humbling job. Yeah. But I have been feeling guilty. Well, I think as long as people, as I mean, not that you have to do anything, but I think people would like to know that. I don't know. Post about your feelings about that because I think yeah, that's I okay. I mean, it's not you're having you're not having a perfect experience. You're having a lot of uh, question marks. Yeah, a lot of question marks. And, yeah, for sure. And and you are learning what your patients go through. Yeah, for sure. It's been a weird experience. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as I again, I'm not. You don't need advice, but I think sharing that it's been. No, I love the advice. Well, I just mean advice for your just coming from somebody that that it, it shares a lot. Yeah. If people understand your experience, there's not going to be a sort of jealousy and resentment or any kind of yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, they'll yeah they'll just understand. You'll mm -hmm. have an understanding with each other. I know. <sighs> yeah, it's it's been a real experience. I think that like spending months trying to get pregnant and having it not happen. And the like, I think that you actually really taught me about like the pain of the two week wait. Oh, Cause I started listening to your podcast, like right at the beginning. I don't think I've ever told you this. Like I saw, I started listening to it in like May or June. And I think that you had like started, I mean, of what year I can't remember, <laughs> but I think you had started it in like March or April. Yeah. And so I found it oh, pretty early cause there was really? an article about it on, on the yeah. Huffington Post. Is that how you found it? Yes. Wow. Yes. Cool. And I was like, oh, like, let me check this out. And it was like, while well, I was in training and like, just, I was, it was just so interesting. And then oh, I sent you that great. like fangirl email <laughs> uh, that I was like loving it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really, I've learned a lot about like the patient experience. It's made me a better doctor by listening oh, to you. Oh my goodness. It's true. I need that on a shirt. I'll put it on a shirt no. and give it to you. No, but I think that it's oh really goodness, powerful. So like nice. a lot of, I felt like when you have that miscarriage, I mean, I just, I felt so compelled. I was like, I have to send you this Jesus statue. Like, oh, yeah. this is so hard. Like, I just really vulnerable what you've gone through and what you've put out there. And, yeah. but I, I really, truly, like, I'm not just saying this. I feel like I've become a better doctor. And oh, I, a lot of my friends listen to you now too. Um, other REIs, like you talked to Karen Wheeler. Right, yeah. Who's a friend of mine. Yeah, and she's great. Yeah. I've got, I'm I've so got a couple flattered. friends to listen. So no, there's like a good crop of us that listen to your podcast. That is so cool. That is so I cool. It. I love that. Yeah, Thank amazing. you so much. 
No, I can't even imagine how how you guys do it. I mean, you, there's got to be a lot of disappointment and oh, heartache. So and I cry every time I go in there. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of it. feelings. The highs are high, but the lows are low. It's yeah. tough. I don't know how you do it, but it must be just a compartmentalizing thing, right? You have to compartmentalize for sure. Yeah. But I think also the people who go into this are the people who are more comfortable with the sort of like empathy than other specialties, right? Like I think that oh, especially as OB- than other specialties. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think especially as OBGYNs, our specialties kind of pick up a little bit. Yeah. I do a lot of what I call verbicane. Verbicane. Like Novocaine. verbal lidocaine, like oh. verbal lidocaine, yes. like verbal pain relief, right? Yes. I do a lot of verbicane. You know, I'm on call and somebody like is pregnant and they have a spot of blood and they're freaking out appropriately and I'm like you know what to say. You know, just yeah, just going through all of that and yeah, you know, counseling people. Whereas, I mean, not in our field, you know, in OBGYN in general, not everybody is going to sit down and talk about it for ten minutes. Yeah, you know, yeah, and just make you feel better. So yeah, I don't know. I think our specialties pick us a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me. I hope everything no goes problem. great. Wait, when did you say updated. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? I think probably I, my guess is retrieval on Monday. That's cool. My guess. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll keep my fingers and toes crossed for you. Baby glitter everywhere. Sprinkle it for me. That's what I do for my patients all day. And I'm sprinkling it for myself. I'm sprinkling yeah. it all thank over you. you. Thanks lady. Well, all right. Talk to you soon. You. Eat some beans. <laughs> Yeah, I'll eat some beans. You drink your water. We'll drink water together. Okay. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, that sure is true about the Verbicane because I remember when I was having my pregnancy of unknown location, she called me right after a doctor's appointment and I was in the basement of the Whole Foods looking for the toilet and, um, and she talked me through a big old cry. So... What a lovely lady. Thank you so much, Dr. Rothenberg. Listeners, if you want to follow her IVF journey, you can find her on Instagram at dr.rothenberg. That's it for the show today, everybody. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm not lazy. I want to tell you, I'm not lazy. I just don't feel great. And so <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not more fun in these intros and outros these days, but I'll get there. I promise I will. In the meantime, go subscribe to patreon.com forward slash spermcast. Join us and watch all these wonderful ultrasounds with my cute little baby. <laughs> In doing so, you'll be supporting me and you'll be supporting the show and it'll all just be so wonderful and magical. If you hate subscribing to things, and that's okay, you can go to Venmo and Venmo Molly-Hockey. You can also support the show by sharing episodes with your friends, sharing them on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, wherever you do your thing. You can rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts. And you can call or text somebody and be like, dude, you need to listen to this. Alrighty, if you have any good OBGYN referrals for me in Westchester County, close to Austin in New York, message me at spermcast at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram. If you want to find me on social media, everything is at spermcast. If you're looking for some support with whatever you're going through fertility wise, I'm here to help you. I'm still doing my fertility consultations. You can email me at spermcast at gmail.com for more information. 
It's very chill in case you're nervous about talking to me about all this stuff. I know it seems a little bit weird, but I'm here for you at a cost. Oh, if you sign up for the Patreon, I'll be getting my NIPT results, so my Patreon subscribers will be the first to hear about that. Well, I might not get them this week, though. I think I might. I don't know. The nurse said a week, but the internet said two weeks. I love you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay, straight, black, white. Tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 